Today we're beginning a new series, as you've just seen, uh, called Last Days. It's a summer series that addresses the times that we're living in. So if you've got your Bible, go ahead and open it or turn it on and go to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1. Over the next seven weeks, Lord willing, we will journey through the book of 2 Timothy, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And what I want to do today is just kind of set the stage for the rest of the series. And so this will be somewhat of a Bible study slash sermon. And I want you to hopefully have something to take some notes with. But let me tell you a little bit, first of all, about the letter that we call 2 Timothy. This letter was written by Paul from a Roman prison while he was awaiting execution. His crime was that he was a Christian. His crime was that he was a preacher of the gospel. Paul had been on three, perhaps four, missionary journeys. He had already been arrested previously and and released. This time he was arrested, and Nero, the Roman emperor, had no plans to release him this time. In fact, the prison that Paul sat in as he wrote this final letter was likely the Mamertine prison in Rome. I've been there. It's a dungeon. It's really just a a dismal underground chamber about 12 feet below ground with a single hole in in the ceiling for light and air. And most scholars believe that in that dungeon, in that prison, in Mamertine prison, that Paul was sitting there when he penned the words to the letter we call Second Timothy. It was the last stop. This, this particular prison, this, this dungeon, if you will, this particular prison was used for prisoners who would soon be executed. That was their last stop before execution. So time was running out for Paul, and he knew it. Paul was facing a certain death. He understood that. In fact, he closes this letter with these words, The time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. It's believed that not too long after Paul wrote those words, he was beheaded by Nero, his soldiers, around 67 A.D. Sometime before that final day, Paul sat down and he wrote a very personal letter to Timothy, his protege and his spiritual son. And here's how he begins this very personal, practical letter. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I want you to notice how he... Do- refers to Timothy as he begins this letter. To Timothy, my dear son. When Paul wrote this letter, the winds of public opinion and government opposition were turning harshly against Christians. That which was once accepted was no longer accepted. That which was once tolerated was no longer tolerated. Public opinion and government opposition was turning against the Christians. Paul was evidence of that as he sat in this dark, damp prison waiting for his final day to come. His thoughts turned to Timothy. 
as he thought about Timothy, the young man that he had seen come to faith in Christ on his first missionary journey. He began to think about him and pray for him. Paul says in verse 3, I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. Verse 4, Paul inserted a very personal word to Timothy. These men were obviously very close. It's believed that the reason that Timothy was shedding tears is because probably he understood as Paul was leaving Ephesus, he may not see Paul again. He understood that the tide was turning against Christians. He understood that the opposition was growing. It was an uncertainty if he would ever see his mentor, uh, if he'd ever see his spiritual father again. And so Paul, as he was sitting in this prison, remember the last time he and Timothy were together. He remembered Timothy's tears. And he wanted to see Timothy again. Those words reminded me of something Paul wrote in another letter about Timothy. Would you go over to the left of Philippians chapter 2, please? Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. And just the reason I'm giving you this reference is so that you can see the obvious closeness that these two men had as they worked together. The obvious close relationship, verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him. Notice how he says this. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. As a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Now what you may not realize is that this time when Paul writes to Timothy, in the letter we call 2 Timothy, by this time Timothy is now a pastor himself. He had been appointed to the church at Ephesus by Paul. He had been left there on one of the missionary journeys. Paul said, you stay here in Ephesus, you pastor and lead these people. And so when Paul writes this letter we call 2 Timothy, Timothy now is involved heavily in ministry. He is now a pastor himself in the city of Ephesus. And Paul wrote this final letter to urge Timothy to stand firm and to persevere in the ministry of the gospel. Here's what was happening. I like this part. I want you to get this picture in your mind. Paul, the aged apostle, was was essentially passing the torch to a younger generation. Paul, about to end his life and end his ministry, was essentially passing the torch of ministry to the next generation. Let me show you. It's all throughout this letter. The, The hints of that are all throughout this letter. Let me show you a few examples real quickly. Have you got your Bibles? You ready? Uh, Go to chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. What you heard from me, here's what he says to young Timothy, this pastor. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Chapter 2, it's in every chapter where Paul is encouraging this young pastor. Chapter 2, verse 1. You then, my son... Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you heard 
me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Go to chapter 3, verse 12. Again, it's in every chapter where he is encouraging Timothy. He says in chapter 3, verse 12, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be, what's that next word? Remember that. Will be persecuted. While evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you have learned it. Finally, in chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who will judge the living and the dead and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. You see, here's what was happening. It's a beautiful picture. Paul, in his last days, his concern was not for himself. His concern was for young Timothy and the furtherance of the gospel. And so in his last days, he's writing this letter we call 2 Timothy to pass the torch to the next generation. And I'm going to talk about that when we get to chapter 2. The importance, ladies and gentlemen, of focusing on and passing on our faith to the next generation. It is not something we should take lightly, but it should be one of our greatest priorities in life. Here's Paul, at the end of his life, calls on Timothy to continue the fight of faith, to continue to share the gospel, to continue to preach the word as he comes to the end of his own life. So in verse 5, Paul talks about something else in Timothy's life that he's noticed. Going back to chapter 1 now, verse 5. Well, I'm in 1 Timothy, just a moment. Paul says this, I have been reminded, as he sits there in the prison cell and as he's reflecting, I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Timothy not only had the privilege of a mentor, he also had the gift of a godly mother and a godly grandmother. Paul had traveled with Timothy for some time and had observed his life up close. And he found out that this young man had a faith that was genuine. Let me ask you a question. Don't answer out loud. Don't point to anybody. But have you ever admired somebody from afar? And when you got to know them up close and personal, you were kind of disappointed. You ever done that? You, you just kind of, it's like, boy, I used to really admire her. I used, to, I used to really admire him. But then when you got to know them personally, you got to know them kind of up close, they were not what you thought they were. They weren't what, you, what they appeared to be. But that was not the case with Paul and Timothy. Paul says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. Paul had traveled with Timothy. He had worked with Timothy. And the more he got to know Timothy, the more he realized this guy is genuine. This guy has a genuine faith. And Paul admired that about this young man. But he says, where did this faith come from? Look in verse 5. I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois. 
It started out with her and in your mother Eunice. And then it, it was passed on to Eunice and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Did you notice that a father is not mentioned? Lois is mentioned, Eunice is mentioned, a mother, grandmother, but, but, but a father is not mentioned. According to Acts 16.1, we don't have time to, write, to read that, but if you write down that reference, Acts 16.1, Timothy's father was an unbeliever. Timothy's father was a Greek. He was not a Jew, he was a Greek. He was an unbeliever. He was neither a convert to Judaism nor a follower of Jesus Christ. But his mother and his grandmother were Christians. And apparently... His grandmother came to faith in Christ first, then she passed on her faith to her daughter, Timothy's mother, and then they passed on their faith to Timothy. These ladies had a sincere faith, and the more he watched what they had, he wanted what they had. Hey parents, can I stop there for just a moment and say something to you? Parents, one of the greatest ways that you can impact your children is to make sure that you have a sincere faith that you are living out in front of your children. I do not mean for show, but I mean it's just genuine, it's real, it's sincere, not perfect. But it's genuine and it's real, and you're living in front of your children the faith you claim to have on Sundays. And when those children who are always watching see you live out your faith on Monday through Saturday that you claim to have on Sunday, then they want what you have. I'll tell you, you've heard me say it many times, but the reason I am who I am today largely is because of James and Mildred Shorter who had a sincere faith that they lived out in front of me every day. And the more I watched them, the more I wanted what they had. There's just something about it. When you watch somebody and you see that it's real, you want to experience it too. That's what was the situation for Timothy. I cannot overstate the importance of living out your Christian faith in front of your children. In fact, if I ever write a book, it will be on this verse. And it will be called Passing on Your Faith. But please hear this. Genuine faith in Christ is not something you inherit from your family. We must all do our own believing, don't we? We all have, just because your grandmother was a Christian doesn't mean that you are. Just because your mother or your father are Christians doesn't mean that you are. We all have to do our own believing. We all have to come to that point where we trust Christ personally and individually and we claim Jesus Christ, His sacrifice on the cross, as our substitute. We claim that for ourselves. That's what Paul meant when he said, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. I'm persuaded, Timothy, you came to faith in Christ as well. Now, here's the point. We're all building, all of this is building to verses 6 and 7. Here's the point. Paul believed in Timothy's faith, and Paul believed in Timothy. I'll say that again. Paul believed in Timothy's faith, and Paul believed in Timothy. Now, the reason that's important is because in verse 6, Paul is going to change and start talking a little bit more firmly. First five verses are all good, they're all positive, they're all warm fuzzies. Verse 6, that begins to change. Here's what happens in verse 6. You see, when you have somebody who really believes in you, they can speak into your life when needed. And that's what Paul does here. Verse 6. For this reason, notice how he starts this. For this reason. I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. 
Verse 6 marks a shift from the opening words of the letter. This begins Paul's first exhortation to Timothy. These are words of an older Christian speaking into the life of a younger Christian. These are the words of a caring mentor who sees something amiss in the life of the young man he's been mentoring. These are the words of a seasoned pastor challenging a younger pastor. These are the words of Paul being honest with Timothy. Verse 6. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us the spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Do you know why Paul needed to state these things? If you will look at the next verse, verse 8. I want you to read verse 8 by yourself. And as you read verse 8, I'm going to ask you a question after you've read it. So go ahead and scan verse 8. All right? In verse 8, is Paul talking about good times or bad times? Say it louder. Paul is saying, Timothy... I know it's hard to be a pastor in this day and time. But in the last days, it's going to grow worse. I know that it's difficult to take a stand for Jesus Christ. I know that it's sometimes, watch this, watch this. I know it's sometimes tempting to shrink back a little bit. I know it's sometimes tempting to, in order to get along with society, to kind of take a step back in order to avoid probably some problems, I know it's easy to kind of try to step away. I, I understand that, Timothy, because he talks, and we'll talk about it next week, in verse 8 and following, he talks about the persecution. Join us in suffering for the gospel. But watch this. Verse 6 and 7, here's what he says. You need to fan into flame the gift that you have, because what I see in your life right now is not the commitment I once saw. I wonder how that made him feel. I wonder how that made him feel as he held in his hands the writings of a man who was writing from a prison cell in his final days. And he basically says to Timothy, his, his, the young son of the faith, what I see in your life right now is not what I once saw. What I see in your life right now is that you've backed up a little bit. What I see in your life right now is that you have shrunk back a little bit. And the thing is not that he's not saved. Paul said in verse 5, I understand you have a sincere faith. The issue is not that you've lost your salvation or that you're not really saved. That's not the issue. The issue is not that you've given up the ministry. You're still involved in ministry. But Paul could say, but as I look at your life, as I, as I look into your, into your ministry, I see something there that is not what it, I ought to see. I see that something is amiss. It, you need to fan into flame because, do you understand this? You can start out very committed. You can start out very sold out. You can start out very determined and kind of back away from that eventually. A little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. It's just like a fire. If you don't tend to the fire, what happens to it? It eventually dies down. And Paul looked at Timothy and said, you 
You need to fan into flame because what you started out being very committed to, I don't see that level of commitment that I once saw. Now, we all do this from time to time, don't we? In various ways in our lives. For example, uh, on the first day of spring, I've got it right here in my phone. On the first day of spring this year, March the 20th, 2015, first day of spring, I was out of town. And I don't remember what led to this, but I probably was just looking in the mirror and I didn't like what I saw. I don't, I don't, I don't know. But on the first day of spring, March 20th, 2015, I, I didn't feel good. I, I, I just physically did not feel well. I was walking up a hill. I was getting winded. And so here's what I wrote down. I wrote it in my phone. It's right here. I wrote, March 20th, 2015, I weigh 197 pounds. My blood pressure is very high even though I'm on four meds. I'm out of shape and get winded easily. Today is the first day of spring. By the first day of summer, June 21, I will weigh 180 pounds and have my blood pressure under control, Lord willing. And I signed it, Keith Shorter. I got on the scale on the first day of summer, June 21, 2015, and I had gone from 197, I had slimmed up to 202 pounds. I got on the scale this morning, 202 pounds. I'm just... Now, on March the 20th, was I committed? Absolutely. As committed as I could be. In my mind, I was absolutely committed. In fact, I called my wife and I said, that's it, I'm tired of it. I think I might have scared her a little bit. I was like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I had to go and explain. I said, you know... 197 pounds, blood pressure is high, I'm on four medications, I'm tired of feeling this way, I can't do anything about being bald, but I can do something about being fat. So i got to do something about this. I'm going to do something about I was very committed. Absolutely committed. Now watch this. But you know, eventually, you can only go so far on determination. You can only go so far on the determination you had yesterday. Because what, what would happen is this. You'd go to the pantry. There's a brand new bag of circus peanuts. Anybody know what circus peanuts are? Oh, I'm telling you. It's just pure sugar. That's all it is. just pure sugar. Marshmallow, pure sugar. My dad used to eat them. I eat them. I got a bag in the pantry right now. Or I'd go to the pantry and I'd see this... My wife loves me. She knows I love peanut M&M's. Big bag of peanut M&M's. Here's what was happening. Well, you know, tomorrow. <laughs> I'm, and it just, you just slowly step away. You, the, the commitment that, that I had began to wane and began to, you begin to shrink back. And you go to the refrigerator. My goodness, there's Pepsi, there's caffeine-free Pepsi, and there's Mountain Dew. I mean, just take your pick. And you just continually, continually, slowly shrink back from the commitment you made earlier. Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, I know that you have a very sincere faith. I don't question your salvation. But Timothy, there's something I've noticed in your life. The fire isn't burning as hot as it used to. 
and I know there's pressures in society and it's not politically correct and, and I understand the, the difficulties that you're facing there at the church in Ephesus. I understand the problems that you're dealing with. I know how tempting it is to shrink back just a little bit to make things easier, to shrink back rather than take a stand, to shrink back rather than make yourself an obvious follower of Jesus Christ. I understand that, but Timothy, before I die, I want to tell you one thing. Here's what I see that you need in your life. You need to fan into flame the commitment you once had. And he says in verse 7, for God, everybody say those two words, for God. You didn't say it, say it with me, for God. Timothy, you may be Stepping back a little bit. But I want you to understand something. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity. One translation says, God has not given us the spirit of fearfulness. Another translation says, God has not given us the spirit of cowardice. You need to remember that Timothy was not not at all like the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was a great warrior. He was a a strong soldier. He was a great apostle. He was a bold preacher. But that was not Timothy. He was still young. He was a young preacher. Inexperienced. And just reading between the lines, I, I, I believe Timothy was probably, more than likely, timid by nature. Probably shy. Probably what we would call today an introvert. So, Pastor, why do you say that? Well, go over to the first letter that Paul wrote Timothy. First Timothy, chapter 4. Near the end of that letter. First Timothy, chapter 4, verse 12. Look what Paul said to him. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. But set an example for the believers in speech and life and love and faith and in purity. Timothy, don't, don't, I know that you have this hesitancy. I've seen it in you. Uh, you're a little uncertain of yourself because you're so young. Don't let anybody look down on you because you're a young pastor. I, when I first, I don't hear this anymore, but when I first started preaching in Lenore, I was 26 years old. And whenever I would introduce myself as, Hi, I'm Keith Short. I'm the pastor of Crestview Baptist Church. Almost every time I would hear, Aren't you young to be a pastor? I hadn't heard that in a long time. (laughs) But that's what Timothy was. Look at the word with me. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech and life and love and faith and impurity until I come. Timothy, this is my charge to you. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift which was given you. Notice he talks about the gift again. Same thing he talked about in the, first, in the second letter. He talks about in the first letter. Do not neglect your gift which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. 
I really believe, just reading between the lines, that Timothy was a young man who had a sincere faith, but he also was a man who had a, 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 a huge problem in the fact that he was probably shy and backward and timid, a little hesitant, young in the faith, young as a pastor, and, and he was just a little bit unhesitant or unsure of what he needed to say and what he needed to do. And the more the pressures increased in society against Christians and against the church, the more he was tempted to maybe step back a little bit, shrink back just a little bit. Paul was saying to him, listen, this is not the time to shrink back. This is the time to take a stand. This is not the time to back up. This is the time to share the gospel. And so let's read the verse again. Back in 2 Timothy verse 7. Here's what he says. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Ladies and gentlemen, we're living in a time when we are pressured, perhaps almost daily as Christians, to give in and to conform to society's standards. We're living in a rapidly changing culture that is where it is easy to become fearful and timid and worrisome. We're living in a time where it's tempting to shrink back. But I'm telling you today, on the authority of God's Word, we also are living in a time when we desperately need to stand for the gospel. Timothy apparently knew that the feeling and the temptation to step back, but the giftedness of God was on him. The Spirit of God was in him empowering him. So here's what Paul was saying, and with this I close. Don't shrink back in the hard days ahead. Fan the flame. Don't pull back. Don't step back. Don't give up. Don't shrink back. In the, there's going to be some difficult days. Verse 8 and following, he talks about that. Join me in the suffering for the gospel. There's going to be some hard times, but don't shrink back. Fan the flame. Because you're needed now more than you've ever been needed. I wonder about you. I wonder if perhaps the fire perhaps is not burning as bright as it once did. Temptation is always just to let the fire die down, step back a little bit, less noticeable, less of a problem. I wonder if it's perhaps become harder where you work to be an obvious follower of Jesus Christ. And the pressure is there to shrink back a little. I'm not asking you to be obnoxious. I'm not asking you to try to do something to get yourself fired. I am asking you to do this. Fan the flame and be an obvious, loving follower of Jesus Christ. The thing about Timothy was he was a young man. Paul was an old man about to leave this world who knows how many days passed after he wrote this letter that they took him down a street and they had him kneel down and his head was chopped off. But Timothy was still in the ministry after Paul was placed in the ground. 
And I wonder if those words didn't ring in his ear. Fan the flame. I wonder if those days when he went back to Ephesus and it was hard to pastor. If the Spirit of God did not remind him, fan the flame. I wonder in those days when persecution began to come down his road, began to come to his house, began to come into his life. I wonder if those days when he sat in a prison cell, if he didn't hear the words of his friend, the Apostle Paul, fan the flame. Don't shrink back. Fan the flame. Because when it's hardest to be a Christian, it's when you're needed the most. Let's pray about that. Father, we recognize that in these days in which we are living, it is not easy to be an obvious follower of Jesus Christ. And I pray for anyone here today, Lord, where the fire is not burning as bright as it once did. Out of apathy or because of a deliberate decision, perhaps they have shrunk back, stepped back, just to make things a little more peaceful. I pray, dear God, that you would speak to us individually. And I pray, God, that you would show us how we can fan the flame. To have the commitment we once had. And to truly live out a sincere faith. And I ask that in Christ's name. Amen.